So my name is Wilson, I'm pastor in training here at Incarnation. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, happy Easter again. Um, turn in your Bibles, if you've got a Bible with you, to our gospel reading this morning uh, that we just read from John chapter 20. So all during this Easter season, we are looking at these scenes in the book of John where Jesus is having these encounters with different individuals and groups of people after he's come back from the dead. And uh, something we notice, especially in some of these first encounters, is that John keeps giving this detail that it's the first day of the week. And what he's trying to flag up is that as these first encounters are happening between Jesus and, and certain individuals and, and people, it's the first day the first new day of world history. Specifically, it is the first day of new creation. The restart has happened. And that's kind of the frame that you have to read and and look at these stories in. When Jesus came back from the dead on Easter morning, it wasn't just that that he individually come back from the dead. Like, the entire world was a different place than it had been the day before. God, had, God throughout the biblical story always promised to restore this broken world and, and renew broken sinners, reconcile himself to human beings, to judge the world with equity and justice and destroy evil. He'd almost always promised those things. But the great surprise of the Bible is that God did this not at the end of history, but right in the middle of it. With Jesus' death and resurrection, the new creation is launched right in the middle of the old world. And that has, that's so important because it has massive implications for human beings, for you and for me. Namely, it means that from now on, there are going to be some human beings who belong to the world of the new creation and therefore have a way of being in this world and have a way of moving in this world that's very different. The different understanding of their own identity and their own purpose and meaning and sense of life call. If we'll let it, today's story of Jesus' first encounter with this little group of his closest disciples, this story will speak directly to all of those biggest, big, like most pressing questions that we have. Who are you? What's your purpose? What's your, what's your life calling? Um, so every culture has certain ways of, ways of thinking, right? Habits of thought that make certain conclusions, especially about these big questions, seem very obvious. So our, our culture, our way of thinking, when we start asking these questions, the automatic kind of train of thought we, we move to is to the self. It's, you, you answer those questions of meaning, purpose, by looking inside. Self-expression, right? Self-discovery, that's the most obvious way to get there, to get meaning, purpose. And so we look inside and we kind of mosaic together as best we can this identity from, from all sorts of different interests and, and habits and, and things we want to do and hope that at the end of the day we look at that and we can call it a masterpiece. The problem with that is it's intensely self-focused and it's all up to our own performance, right? You hope what you see inside is great, but what if it's not? You see, Jesus gives a completely different way of going about those questions. And this is the point of what we're going to say today. The point of this story is that Jesus sends us into the new creation as a renewed people with a renewed vocation. 
That is a very different way of being in the world. It's a very different way of understanding what your purpose is and who you are, what you're supposed to be doing. And it's a way that, that is of sheer grace because it's a gift. This, this sending that Jesus does is a, is a sheer gift. It's given to every single man, woman, and child who puts their simple trust in Jesus. Doesn't matter how weak or, or strong that faith is, it's there. We're sent. So, Jesus sends us out in the new creation as a renewed people with a renewed vocation. We're going to look at those things today. We're going to see them in our story. And this morning, God has spoken afresh to you because this word is alive. It's not just a scene about Jesus talking to his disciples 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus talking to you today and beckoning you to follow him again into his new creation. So, first... Jesus sends us into the new creation as a renewed people. Um, Look back at verse 19 with me. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, there it is, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So here are the disciples, a couple days after Jesus' death, they're locked inside a small room, fearful of the threats outside, because they have no idea that outside of those walls, a new creation has dawned on the world. Uh, Doesn't fear feel like this? It feels cramped, right? It feels like you're in this small space, shut behind closed doors. You know there's a world outside, but you're unable to see it don't have the faintest idea of of what it might look like to take the first step to get out there. And it's into that situation that Jesus just shows up. Isn't this great? He doesn't even unlock the doors. He's just there. And we all know, like, that's, that's what a good friend does. A friend doesn't just come and start fixing our problems immediately. Our friend comes and is in our midst and is just with us in it. And so Jesus does. The doors are still locked. We don't know how he got in. John never tells us. John probably never figured it out. He's just there. An experience with having friendship with Jesus will tell you that this is true. Like you'll be stuck. You'll be locked in anxious fears. You'll be stuck in your Christian life, feeling like you're spinning your wheels. And all of a sudden, Jesus will just show up. And in some mysterious way, those, those issues are like still there. The doors are still locked. But all of a sudden, Jesus is with you. And look at the first words out of his mouth to his disciples. This blew me away this week. The first thing he says to them is peace. These are the guys who just ran away a couple days ago. These are the guys who just denied him, who are not out working in the world, still don't understand what he was up to, locked in that room. And the first thing he says to them is not a rebuke. He doesn't say, let's start by confessing sin and then we'll talk. He doesn't say, get out there and get to work. He doesn't say any of that. The first thing he says is peace. Man, that's what grace feels like. It's free. Peace. And then he shows them the rock-solid reality of his resurrected body. Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his side. And when they saw it, it says that the disciples were glad, which is a very tepid translation. It actually means they were exuberant with joy. 
just wrap your mind for a second around how gracious Jesus is here. He has just borne the sin of the world on his shoulders. He has just felt all the junk that human beings have produced throughout world history. He's just borne the sin of these particular men in this particular room. And there's not one hint of vindictiveness. There's not one hint of him even being guarded with them at all. Just simply, look at my hands. Look at my side. It's done. It's okay. And that is how he renews his people. He, he comes to them. He gives them his presence. And he takes fear out of the picture and replaces it with peace and joy. And once that happens, then his people can hear their renewed vocation. But the presence, the peace, and the joy have got to come first. Now, before we get to talking about a vocation, we got to bring this home to us a little bit. All right, some of you disciples today, I would guess, need to hear again that Jesus' first word to you is peace. That's the foot you start on with him. And the idea behind Jesus' peace, of course, is the idea, the Hebrew idea of shalom, which is not just wishful thinking, but it's wholeness, right? And when it comes out of the lips of the risen Jesus, it means all of his love, all of his forgiveness, all of his blessing is yours. Peace to you. And some of you, I would guess, have not heard that word in your experience in a long time, and you're discouraged, and you feel stuck. You need to hear it again. His word to you isn't disappointment. It's not you're not doing enough. It's peace. So some of you need to get into the secret of his presence again and hear that word and not give up until you hear it again. Tell him that you need it. He knows you need it. And he's good. Look at what he's like. He will speak to that that word to you. Ask him. Ask him for it and he will give it to you. Okay, others of you probably need to experience the joy of the resurrection again. And lucky you, it's the Easter season. This is a great time to look for it. Part of of being renewed is to experience the spiritual fruit of joy. Joy has to come before work. It's got to come before vocation, before going out into the world. Because joy is the fuel of the Christian vocation. Um, So a God that's kind of in the sky, that gives encouragement and advice is not the source of lasting joy because there's no grace there. There's no talk of sin and getting rid of your guilt and shame. There's no truth there. There's no concrete reality of flesh and bone being remade. Jesus is the real grace and he's the real truth. Unearned. An encounter with grace and with with cold, hard, not cold, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. Real truth, grace and truth will bring joy. Um, So for those of you, for those of us who feel the pain of not seeing this in our flesh and seeing Jesus's body, that's okay. All I got to say is I'm going to disappoint you real quick and just say you got to come back next week. All right? He knows that. That's why John, of the many, many stories he could have told, tells the story of Jesus and Thomas. That's next week. He's going to address that. But for now, all I'll say is that this book is alive. These scriptures are alive. Jesus is in here, and he really will encounter you. The Holy Spirit will open the eyes of your hearts if you'll submit to this word. You can trust him. You can experience him. There is an encounter with Jesus to be had, 
And there's a calling to hear and to take up. Um, Okay, so just to loop back to where we are. We've said that Jesus' resurrection launched a new creation right in the middle of the old one. And that this work involves human beings heavily. Um, Jesus sends us out into the new creation first as a renewed people. And then second, he sends us out with a renewed vocation. A renewed vocation. Um, So John 3.16, right? God so loved the world, he sent his only son. What's shocking is that God so loved the world that now he sends us. All right, uh, that means that when the world encounters the church, they are not encountering merely a human institution. And they're not encountering a group of people that come together to do religion. When the world meets the church, it is encountering the risen Christ. So look at verse 21 again. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. It's just awesome. Don't we, need, don't we need the extra words so often? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. Two minutes of serious thought about that and the terror of it and the absurdity of it starts to sink in. So that's why we got verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. Okay, the echoes of creation are are resounding around the room at this point. So in the creation story, in the creation of human beings, God breathed the breath of life into humanity. His breath, his spirit gives life. And now, on the first day of new creation, God breathes new life onto onto this little community of his, giving them his own Holy Spirit. In the original creation, God made human beings, gave them the breath of life, and then gave them a vocation, gave them a meaning and a purpose to be priests in his world. That is, representatives of God in in the world to do his will and his work, his will of stewarding, of discovering this world, of developing its resources. It was through human beings that God was going to do all sorts of work in the world, build homes, build just societies, cultivate the land, all through human work. But of course, we know that human beings rebelled, and so the work continues, but we experience this, right? It's bent and it's broken in, in, in every single area. But as we see here, this is, this is nothing less than Jesus restoring human beings to that original vocation, but with new breath in their lungs and with a twist. And let's look at our last verse, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If we withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Now, why does Jesus give this one very concrete detail of what it is his people are going to be doing? It's because he's restoring our vocation, but he's giving us the very priestly work of reconciliation as well. Forgiveness. So, Jesus has already done the work. He's already borne the sins of the world. He's already bridged the gap that's between God and human beings, right? He's made possible the healing of the relationship that all of our lives depend on, our relationship with God, our creator. He's made all that possible. What the church does is the church implements that to the world. So Jesus has accomplished it, and the church implements it. So this is how it works. When someone is sinned against, the injured party has the authority of forgiveness. They have the authority to wipe away the guilt. 
It's not, it's, not the, it's not the guilty that can say, suddenly I'm not guilty, or suddenly I'm innocent. That would be unjust, right? The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, God, who is the injured party, who was sinned against because it's his world, has made forgiveness possible. He's wiped the slate clean, take away all the guilt and the sin in the world. That's the good news. The guilty party can be cleared by simple trust in Jesus. The amazing thing that's going on here is that the injured party, God, now passes on this authority to the church, which means we bear the forgiveness of God into the world. We show people the reality through our words and our actions that God is forgiving the world. We're called to be a community where forgiveness and reconciliation is just the heartbeat. It's a given. We're called to be a community that goes out and that tells the world that God has forgiven the sins of the world and that you can be a part of that. So to someone who puts their simple trust in Jesus, we can say you are forgiven. We can say your guilt does not remain anymore. The shame, that icky feeling that sticks to us, that can begin to be undone by the work of Jesus. And of course, as Jesus tells us here, like the reverse is also true. There are going to be some who prefer the darkness to the light. There are going to be some who don't want to talk about guilt and sin. It's not a problem. And we can just look at how Jesus handles situations like this. Um, in John 9, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees who see no, uh, see no issue with their own sin. Uh, and he says this to them. Uh, this is nine, John nine forty one. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. That's forgiveness being withheld. It's a hard truth that we also bear into the world, but it's a loving one because we got to tell people that if you, if you want to be in the light, you have to admit you're in the darkness. That's the first step. Until you can admit that, there's not a whole lot of progress that can be made. And so we bear that message as well. There is a such thing as darkness. There is a such thing as a need for forgiveness and a need to be restored. So, uh, if this vocation seems overwhelming like it did to me when I was reading this, uh, it is. That's a good feeling to have. That's okay. Which is why, again, we got to remember the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us, right? He promised he would not leave us as orphans. He promised that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Um, I had a friend helpfully remind me this week that results are so often out of our hands. Um, that's the Holy Spirit's work. What we got to do is, is focus on the process. Focus on being faithful, and the result is left to God, right? The Holy Spirit, God gives the growth. God has to bless. God gives the results. And that gives us the freedom to work hard, right? To work with freedom and joy, because at the end of the day, God is so good. And he often gives so much more than we expect or we ever deserve, or that our wisdom or our efforts should have pulled forth. But God makes it happen in his Holy Spirit. Our job is to bear Christ into the world and to let the Holy Spirit do his work. So, where does that leave us? Now what? Um, experience will tell us that the church will either lean into this vocation or it will turn away. So I have not, I have not uh, given one Lord of the Rings illustration the whole time I've been here. 
um, I almost made it an entire year. And so I feel like I had, you know, have the chance, have the chance to do this. Uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring, near the end of the book, um, Frodo and company are on the quest to destroy the evil ring, right, uh, and defeat evil Sauron. And there's this point where they get to this, this area kind of of respite. Uh, they're in uh, the land of Lorien, where no shadow has ever, has ever touched. Uh, they're having this encounter with Galadriel, who has this ability to see right through people and see right into the heart and into the mind. Um, and, and the company is all kind of standing together one evening, and they're, and they're talking about how each of them had this sort of silent encounter with Galadriel, where she stared right into their heart. And Sam Gamgee, who's always honest, right, says, yeah, I felt like I had nothing on. And she was looking right into my heart, and it's like she was offering for me to just forget all this and to go back home and, and to have a garden back in the Shire. And Mary pipes up, and he says, this, he's like, it, it, kind of a similar thing happened to me. It's like she was, she was offering me what, I'm, what I most wanted, and, and then he kind of trails off. And then it says this, all of them, it seemed, had fared alike. Each had felt that he was offered a choice between a shadow full of fear that lay ahead and something that he greatly desired. Clear before his mind it lay, and to get it he had only to turn aside from the road and leave the quest and the war against Sauron to others. I think that is such a good description of the Christian vocation. As the Father sent Jesus into the world, so he's sending us. The Father sent Jesus, and he was a man of sorrows, and he suffered. And he was light clashing with darkness all the time. And it led him to his death. If we think about that, like our Christian life so many times involves, involves suffering and bearing the weight of the world. And going, getting up every morning and, and going to war with sin. Like there are times where we just would rather give up the quest and leave the war with Sauron to somebody else but we can't do it. We can't do it. Jesus, Jesus will renew you and he will renew your vocation. You're not gonna turn back. The 10 disciples in that room today in this story didn't turn back. Frodo and his company didn't turn back. They all decided, no, we gotta keep going. And you'll keep going too. If you run after another God, that other God will, will reorder your priorities and he will lead you into a different way of being in the world, but it's going to be backwards into the old world of decay, not into the new world that King Jesus is building day by day. We can lean into this world of new creation, and the way we do it is to experience again the renewal that Jesus brings, the renewal of us ourselves, and the renewal of our vocation. How? I'll just end with this. I'm going to give one practical way that we can do it. And it's very simple. It's what we're doing right now. It's in worship. When we come every week to worship, we are reliving this scene over and over again. Worship is the place where we meet Christ. And a lot of times we come here and, and, and we've got our locked doors still, right? But Jesus shows up every time. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with him. And we, even in the worst of the pandemic, we've got more than two or three here, Okay. Jesus is here. We meet him. We get freshly forgiven, freshly encouraged, thrilled with his presence, and charged with going back into the world. 
and being for the world what he was for his people, Israel. This place that we worship, it's uh, the Celtic tradition called it a thin place. It's a place where the veil that stands between earth and the heavenly realities beyond is thin. And the experience of God is easier, easier to grasp. We need an experience of him again. We need him to show up in our midst again and speak peace to us, and he will. When we come to this table, when we eat the bread and wine, he speaks peace to us fresh. It's the gifts of God for the people of God. Forgiveness is literally on the table, week in and week out. And all will be made well. Which means we cannot miss out on this. We cannot skip this. We've got to reenact this scene again and again and again. You need to be strengthened. You need to meet with Jesus so you can go back out into the world in peace and in joy and boldness. And like our New Testament reading said, Paul said, we're going to leave, we're going to leave here and we're going to have the aroma of Christ on us. We're going to stink like Christ. And to some, it's going to be a fragrance of life. And to others, it's going to smell like death. But so it is. And then Paul wonderfully adds what we're all thinking. Who is sufficient for these things? Not us. But so it is. God is faithful. And you can follow him in freedom and in joy. And you can follow him in the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us again. Please speak to us your word of peace. Show us your risen body. Give us joy again. Restore our vocation in the world. Give us, give us an understanding of the purpose that we have, of our meaning, of our identity. Help us follow you uh, and in that find real life. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.